Blog Talk Radio. Welcome inside the Divas Den. It's going to be a fantastic show today. I'm interviewing the legendary Lenny Williams. Let's kick off the show with one of his first hits, Shoo Doo Foo Foo. I just got in town and I'm looking around, trying to get something going. I licked my finger, put it up in the wind, to see which way my fate was blowing. I most certainly am. Well, I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to be right there. I'll be tuning in.
inside the Divas Den. I've got that feeling. Coming up later, I've got the interview with the legendary Lenny Williams. This next single was released on Lenny's 1978 album, Spark of Love, and the single is called Midnight Girl. Lenny, while we wait on the interview, why don't you give the listeners the thought of the day for me? Who's going to pat me on the back? Who's going to tell me to keep on going? When discouragement comes or setbacks come, we have to light a fire to ourselves occasionally.
Stick around. Coming up right after Gina Jones' booty scoop, I've got that interview with legendary Lenny Williams. Did you want Gina Jones?
Lenny, how are you? I am doing good. Hey, I'm, I'm on the phone with the diva. Hey, so uh, I must be doing pretty good. First of all, a lot of people probably already know who you are, but let's see how we can, how deep we can get into your history. I know that you were born in, in Little Rock, Arkansas, because I did my research, and that you, yes. somewhere along the line, you moved to Oakland, California, or your parents moved to Oakland, California. How did that transition from Little Rock, Arkansas, to Oakland, California take place? Well, my uh, daddy, I guess, you know, back in, uh, I was born in 1945, so I guess somewhere around that time, he decided that you need to go west and try to see if he could uh, make a better life for himself and the family. So he came out first, then my mom and uh, my brother and sister came out, and they left me back there with my grandmother, and then uh, I guess they uh, decided, well, it's time for me to come bring the baby on out. So she got on the train and uh, <laughs> and uh, brought me on out to uh, Oakland, California, and uh, moved to West Oakland. That's where most of the uh, African-Americans were living at that time. You know, just got started, you know, got moved right by the church, you know, lived up, you know, about three or four steps from the church, started up a missionary Baptist church, and I started going there singing in the choir, and boom, you know, So being that close to the church and singing in the church, that had to be where you got your start of a love of music. And then somewhere down the line, you said, hmm, I want to get into music. Was that after you learned how to play the instrument or before you learned how to play the instrument? Well, you know, it's really interesting. My mom always tells the story that when I was about a year and a half and I was learning to talk, that I learned my prayers and learned how to say the Lord's Prayer. And so she got a bunch of the older ladies at the church, the church mothers, they had a little tea, and she wanted to show me all. She said, Leonard Cole know how to say his prayers. <laughs> so they gathered around, and I was on my knees, and I said, Our Father, and then I threw my hands up in the air and said, Hey, which was a big hit at that time on the radio. Now I said that, and so I, I guess singing has kind of always been, you know, part of my life. And then somewhere, I think it was on the fourth grade, I started playing trumpet, learned how to read music. So music was always a kind of a part of my life. And then I think when I was a teenager, maybe about 14, 15, a friend of mine had a girlfriend that lived in North Oakland. And so, you know, we, we didn't have a car and, and nothing like that, not too much money to catch the bus. So he, like, he had seen her maybe once or twice. And I had never met her. And he had me sing Jerry Butler's uh, Your Precious Love. Oh, wow. And the next thing I know, she, she was my girlfriend. I thought, <laughs> Ask you this, Lenny. I know how difficult it was back during that time to get in the music business. Since you have gone through all of the different eras of music, do you think it's just as hard today to get into the music business as it was back then? Well, it seems like it should be easier now because you have all the technology and you could just start your own record company. Nobody want to sign you. You can start it. You can put your stuff up on up on the internet and everything like that, and all the various sort of platforms that they have. But then it's because it's so so accessible that you have more people, you know, uh, that are you know are uh, getting involved. And so I think the the freeway is more crowded. Okay. Uh, I, don't, I mean, I'm not, I'm not young and trying to do it that way, so I don't know, but from my vantage point, I would think that it's a little harder because you have so many people uh, trying to, to get in and uh, because of the accessibility. Right, and, and you know what, and I tell all of the artists that I've had any dealing with over the last 20, 30 years, you have to have that thing 
You have to have that special thing that stands out above the rest in some cases, or most cases, to get recognized in the music business or in the music industry today. You have to stand out, that's for sure. You know what I mean? You don't you know, go to the party with a brown dress on. You know what I mean? You just put on that pink dress, that red dress, or, you know, some sleeves or some, you know, low cut, whatever, you know. And so the same thing with, uh, you know, being an, an artist. I mean, you have to come with something. In my case, it was my voice, say James Brown, in his case, dancing and singing. You, you, you have to have something that makes you makes you stand out. Now, let, let's talk about uh, once you realize that you want to be in the music business, you got your girlfriend with your voice. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us the story of how you got with Tower Power, because that's when I became familiar with Lenny Williams, and one of my favorite songs, I guess, is everybody else's favorite song, so very hard to go, baby. Well, it's really interesting with Tower Power, uh, so we'll start right here. I, I did a record on Fantasy Records. And uh, John Fogarty from Creedence Clearwater Revival, he had, uh, I'd met him, and he had a little group called Gollywalk, so he was teaching me how to write songs. And so I wrote a song, and then it was doing okay out here in the Bay Area, right? And so then my neighbor asked me, well, do you want to, when you going to do a show? I said, I don't have a band. So she said, oh, the mailman, he, he manages bands. So he took me. Uh, I met him, and uh, you know, and um, he took me to this suburb of Oakland uh, called Fremont, California, about 35 miles outside of Oakland, and he introduced me to this little band called the Motown Soul Band. Everybody in the band was white, and so I, I met them, and I was hanging out with them, but some of them were still in high school, so I was like, well, the only thing I can do with them is play the little hops and stuff like that, but I can't do any nightclubs, so we did a couple of little things, and then I kind of let them alone, and then... Fast forward about maybe two and a half to three years later, I was hanging out with Larry Graham, and me and Larry were writing songs and hanging out, and he was probably at least find the Family Stone. So then he was like, hey, Lenny, let's put some horns on some of this stuff. Let's call this band Tower Power to come over and put some horns. So they walked through the door. I'm like, oh, I know them. Those are the little boys from the Motown soul band. So we reconnected, and I started writing for their next album, and then eventually I became the lead singer. So that's how that all happened. How long were you with Tower of Power? I was actually with Tom Power for two years and about two, three months. But we were prolific. We knocked out three albums, you know, boom, boom, boom. Because as soon as I joined the band, they had an album already ready to go. And so they had another guy singing on it. They took his voice on, put my voice on, boom. And uh, what, January of, uh, about January 30th or February 10th of, um, of 1973, so very hard to go without number one all over the world, and we was doing big things. Well, yeah, and see, you were already okay with being with that band. You were lead singer. You were already a writer. What made you want to leave the group and go solo? Because that's a big step, Lenny. Yeah, it was a big step, and it was like, hey, I'm in a successful band. We get ready to go on the road and open up for uh, the, the Rolling Stones when they were getting ready to do their uh, tour in 1975. And it's like, why do you want to leave? You know, everybody's like, well, you know, what happened was uh, Child Power was a, a huge drug band. You know, we had about five guys mainlining heroin in that band. And so I was like, I'm not going to go to jail for somebody else's <laughs> foolishness, right? You know, exactly. it's like, and, uh, you, know, you, know, you know, the boys in Houston, you know, they, they're famous for creating what they call screw music. You know how they slow it down, you know, like that. Yeah. I said, no, 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 no. I said, no, Tom Power invented that. And they said, well, how Tom Power invented that? I said, because when all five of them heroin boys would score, we'd be 
smart move a smart move that you cared enough about your reputation your family and your character to make that step and say okay I've got to do it I know I've got the talent I know I can write so hey what else or where else is there to go but up it took a little while though it, it didn't happen overnight I'm like Ooh, buddy <laughs> I, you know there's there a few times I thought oh lord maybe I was premature you know but like we were talking you know sometimes you got to pat yourself on the back and light a fire up under yourself and that's what I had to do you know and grace of God and everything like that I was able to eventually uh, you know uh, sign a deal with ABC Records and met a guy a producer by the name of Frank Wilson who had just left Motown boom things started to happen yeah you know I tell people that's the three D's determination, dedication, and devoted to doing what you want to do most, what you have a passion for, and what you you pat yourself on the back and you say, you know, with God's grace, my hard work, mm-hmm. I am not going to fail. I refuse to fail. Right. Uh, and, and in your case, it's the, the 40s, deeper. <laughs> well, you know what? This, this, this is absolutely fantastic. I'll tell you what we're going to do. Let's take a quick break. And then I'm going to come back and I'm going to finish this interview. More with Lenny Williams okay. right after this. Sometimes I wear sneakers. Vintage. The new album from Big Rod. 19 songs strong of no skill. Good music. This is an album you can put on and let play from beginning to end. Available on all music platforms. B-I-G-G-R-O-B-B. Download and stream it now. Log on to BigRobVintage.com. The Divas Den is being brought to you by CharlesCarterOnline.com. Stick around for more of my interview with Lenny Williams. The freeway is more crowded. That makes it harder because you have so many people trying to, to get in because of the accessibility.
got you locked in from Miami, Florida. Nothing I can do I feel so bad Yeah I feel so blue mm. I got to make it right For everyone concerned Even if it's me If it means just for me What's getting back? Cause I could never make you unhappy. No, I've been too bad, girl. Only wish I did love you so. Makes it so, so very hard to go. I'd have to pay for my mistake I can't blame you For what you're doing to me, girl Even though my heart is Your dreams have all come true Just the way you planned it So I'll just step aside Helping hands Cause I can Inside the Diva's Den with more from the legendary soul singer, songwriter, musician, and actor. Let's talk about um, how you got into uh, this acting. Well, you know, uh, Shelley Garrett, I don't know exactly what year, but he brought the play out, uh, Beauty Shop, right? And he's the one kind of started the whole modern era of black plays, you know, coming into prominence, right? And, and that play was so successful then, you know, it just sparked the interest uh, and the entrepreneurship of all these people all across the United States that wanted to write plays. And so people start doing it and they're taking them on and every every time you turn around there was a new play going on. And so what they would do, they would just have 
local actors that didn't have any big names or anything in the plays. And so that was successful. Then somebody got the bright idea, well, let's start getting, you know, some music people that got hit records out and get them in. We could put more people in the seats, right? More butts in the seats. Exactly. So that's how I got in. So what they would do, you didn't have to have any acting ability. You know, they would even just have a scene, with a nightclub scene. You come out and sing. Sometimes you wouldn't even say anything. Or maybe they give you one or two lines. Right. So I did that, maybe three or four plays. And then all of a sudden, I started getting a few more lines. Which was okay. I could handle that. Then I did a play for David Talbert. Through the farm, I go to a rehearsal and he's, you know, and he said, this is who you're going to be. This is your character. So I look. I was the one line, two lines. I was like, cool. I can handle that. Then I turn the page. One, two, three, four, five, six pages. It says, who do you mean? I'm, oh, Lord, I got to get out of here. What the heck is right? No, 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 no. You done signed the contract. We didn't get you money. You said to do this. I'm going to teach you how to do it. Then I learned all the words. He said, oh, learn the words. Memory. You know, memorize the words. It's not acting. You got to be able to, you know, get into the characters. So he taught me all of that. So I did that. And so it made me know that I could do it, right? So then I started getting in more plays. I'm acting opposite of Billy D. Williams, to Sheena Arnold, um, girls used to go with uh, 50 Cent. Vivica Fox. Vivica Fox, right? I got the cancer Vivica in one of the plays, right? there yeah. on the cheek. It was just on the cheek. Yeah. You know, lipstick, right? Yeah. So anyway, <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I was doing good. So then I was in a play. So when I signed to do the play, I told them, they said, the play's on that spot three months, right? And I said, okay, but in November, let's pick a day, say that, November 12th, I already signed a contract to go do a show up in New York, so I'm gonna have to miss that night, right? And so I said, okay, cool, that's good. And so then it gets up close to that date a week before that, and I tell them, oh my God, we gotta get somebody. So they start trying to get some local actors, and they didn't couldn't handle the part, right? And so the next thing I know, in walks Clifton Powell, right? Wow. You know what I mean? Clifton Powell had been about a thousand movies, right? Right. So then Clifton Powell comes, and he's watch, He's out there in the audience watching me, read the script and everything. I leave the next day, and I'm like, yeah. my head got so big, I couldn't hardly get on the plane. I'm thinking, <laughs> Clifton, they had to get Clifton Powell to take my place. You know, I'm a bad boy, right? <laughs> so then we have about 30,000 feet, and I start thinking, Ooh. my phone might ring, and they might tell me, man, Clifton Powell's done, done some stuff with this. This character that uh, we never even thought of, just go on home, and we'll see you next time, right? I'm like, <laughs> then I got scared. Every time the phone rang, I'm like, oh, that's them calling me, tell me, go on home, man. We don't need you no more. So always, I came back, and everything was good. So I was telling Clifton, I said, oh, man, I thought you was going to come in and just make them have to send me home. Yeah, so it's that's was funny, but uh, yeah, that's kind of how I got in. And so, uh, you know, now I get to the place where when, when they want me to be in a play now, I always say, uh, well, let me see the script. You know, I'm, I'm, exactly. I'm a script reader now instead of just, instead of just saying, yeah, yeah, just if you're looking at the money, I'm looking at the script first. You know? Yes, so, because you know, yeah, if, if yeah. not, like you say, you'll get tied into four, five, six, seven, eight pages. You got to memorize. And I have a friend right. that that writes plays. Uh, she actually used to live in uh, in Oakland, and uh, she mm-hmm. told me she said, "Listen, Diva, if you don't have the time." And the mindset, and if you don't have um, a strategy for how you're going to learn the lines, it's the most difficult thing that you will ever do. And she uh, she signed me on to do a little a little play. We could have our script on stage. It was called the oh, wow. 
it was called the Virginia Monologue, and that was the oh yeah yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> and that was the only reason I agreed. I said, listen, Dina, you're telling me that I could actually take my script, walk out to the stage, put it on the podium. She said, yes. The only thing you have to do is you just have to be so animated until the mm-hmm. people forget that you're reading off the script. So I said, okay, being animated, I have no problem with that. But what I would have had a problem with was learning the lines. So I know what a fear that can be. And if you're not careful, like you said, if you don't read the script first, you can get roped into something that's a little bit bigger than what you want to handle. Exactly. And, uh, and in the live theater, it's so much different than just doing television or, or you know, or movies here because you can't, can't say, uh, take it over. No, none of that. Uh, yeah, you got to keep on going. Yes. So if you mess up, you, you've messed up. You, you've got to wing yeah, it or you've got to improvise. Right, right. Yes, yes, yes. Fast forward to Lenny Williams and a song that can never grow old, your hit, Cause I Love You. Yes, yes, yes. Well, I, I wrote that song with a good friend of mine, Michael Bennett, may he rest in peace. Michael's dad was a carpenter and he would, uh, he was a little older than me and he would always talk to me about his son when he'd be working in my house. Uh, my son, he could dance, he could sing, he play guitar, play piano, play drums, you name it. And, and I'm thinking, oh, in my mind, oh, everybody thinks their kids are great, you know. Right. And so finally, you know, he was kept on pushing. I said, okay, bring your son over. So he brought his son over, and his son was everything that he said, right? And so we started writing songs together. We'd write every day. And his son said something to me one time. He was like, yeah, I have to be motivated to write, you know. And I was like, what would you do if you were at Motown? And Barry Gordy, you met Barry Gordy, and he said, come to Motown. I said, you know, those guys go to work like a regular job, and they punch in at 9 o'clock, and they punch out at 5 o'clock, and they sit there and they write, and Barry Gordy come through and be like, okay, what'd you write today? You know, what, what'd you do? You know, I'm going to see what you got. You know, and they have to be productive. And I said, so, you know, motivation or no motivation, right? So I got him to thinking that way. So one day he came by, you know, regular time for us to write and I was like I really don't feel like it today and he's like why and I was like me and my girl kind of got into it and I'm just I'm just not into it he said what if he was working with Barry Gordy I said well you got me right <laughs> and so we sat down at the piano and there he came you know cause I love you okay? you were just pouring your heart out because of the troubles you were having with your girlfriend trouble I got myself I manufactured and got myself into and you know what else a lot of people said well, you were just singing that so passionately you know and I was saying you know the day I sang that song, my producer, Frank Wilson, said, uh, Andre and Sandra Krauss called and said they want to come by and, and check you out today. And I said, okay. So then uh, I'm sitting there singing, and Andre Krauss is looking down my throat, you know, just looking looking at me singing. So, I mean, I've got the greatest gospel writer and singer of that era, you know, looking at me and his twin sister, who they know slouch herself, right? And so I just had to dig deep. I, I wanted to try to make Andre wave his hand and say hallelujah, right? Yeah, so that's so that has to do with some of that passion that I put into that song. And you know what, Lenny? I promise you, every time I have seen you perform that song, you sing it with the same amount of passion, if not more, than you did when, when I first heard you sing it live. You know, so that's, mm-hmm. that's something in itself to be able to still have that passion inside you as you did the first time you sing it, and you've still been able to draw off that energy all these years. 
Yeah, well, I mean, that's what people, just when you put it out there, sometimes you, you set the bar so high. You know, it's like uh, when I write songs now, I write from a defensive point of view. You know, I say, I don't want to ever do anything in this song that I can't do 10 years from now. Okay. But when I did Cause I Love You, it's like, okay, I, you know, the passion was so, you know, so fervent and hitting that high note. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's a dancing, you know, it's like, so it's like, I got to do that every night. I wrote that song in 1974, but I didn't put it out till 78. I, actually, I did it on Motown first, and it didn't have the talking in it. Okay. And it, didn't, it was a little faster, right? And then I went on the road singing it, and then he slowed it down and put the talking in it, and then I came back, was on ABC, and I put it out. It's like I've been singing that song for 40-something years, and it's like, you know, I got to give the people what they came to well I tell you what it is an absolutely fantastic song I'm quite sure this is not the first time you've heard that but I can tell you if and when I get me a boyfriend if he gets himself into some trouble. I hope he plays that song. And I hope he... Hell yes. Back in the day, we used to call it patomizing, but now they call it yes, lip syncing and all that. Right. I hope he patomized and lip synced to that song like he is singing it for real. <laughs> yeah, like, you tell him to send me a little check, too, because I'm giving it to right. <laughs> a little love off. Yeah. Now, that's a great segue to my next question. But, Lenny, let me take a quick break, and I'll be back with more Lenny Williams right after this.
one time things got so bad until uh, I had to go to one of my friends and talk to him. And I told him, I said, you know, I'm having problems with the woman that I love. It seems that I call her on the phone and I, I just can't get her to answer. And then I went to her house and I saw a car parked in the driveway. I knocked on the door, but still my knocks went unanswered. And then I went home and I, I watched television until television went off. And then I played my records until I just didn't want to hear them anymore. And finally I went to bed, but I found myself waking up a few hours later. And the tears were running down my face. And my friend told me, he said, Lenny, you just ought to forget about her. But I told my friend, I said, you know, maybe you've never been in love like I've been in love. And maybe you've never felt the things that I felt. But this is what I told my friend. I said, you know, sometimes you get lonely. You get lonely. You get lonely. Oh, 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 oh. And I cry. I cry. In the well, in the well of my eyes, oh baby. And then it got so bad, it got so bad. So one time I thought I'd roll myself up in a big old ball and die. And then I met you, darling, and you smiled at me. Oh, oh, it was such a pretty smile, yes it was. And you reached out your hand. You help me. You help me. Legendary Lenny Williams. Lenny, your song, Cause I Love You. This fantastic song has been sampled at least four times that I know of by some rappers. Lenny, can you even believe that? Or could you believe that when you got that call requesting that they could sample your song? It was just amazing, you know, and I was just, uh, just so elated because, like, when Kanye West and Twisted did it, it was like, these kids weren't even born when I wrote that song, so I attribute that to, to their parents and to radio. So radio has been so such a blessing to me. Not only does it play my music, but it's played my music and influenced these young rappers that were listening to, to their parents, you know, or listening to the radio, you know, to take my music and keep it alive and make it make it classic. And so it was just unbelievable. And then, you know, I used to look at uh, the rappers and I would say, 
Uh, these kids are ridiculous. I mean, they go out <laughs> and they buy these two hundred thousand dollar watches and all this other kind of stuff, and and buy these gigantic yachts and everything. They need they need to be careful with their money. And then when I start getting that sampling rap money, I was like, oh Lord. <laughs> Exactly, so, exactly. You know, like, yeah, so you got to have some write-offs, and so it's just amazing, you know, the just the residuals, and, and then you know, we're talking about the music business, and so the fact that I own the publishing, the fact that I have my great? songwriters' rights, you know, was the, the result was that I was able to reap the benefits of, uh, of the overflow and the success. Some of the artists of today, yesterday, and even years before that, they didn't do that. They didn't keep the rights to their music and all of that. Well, I was fortunate, you know, backtracking, you know, when I was hanging out with Larry Graham, we became, you know, like, basically like brothers, right? And so I was at his house one night and it got late. Pete Moore from the Miracles was up there at the house and he had brought a bunch of people from Los Angeles, a bunch of managers and agents and stuff because they were trying to, Larry was getting ready to leave, sign the Family Stone, they were trying to sign him. And so Neil Sean from Journey, he had just left Carlos Santana, so he was trying to get this group together. And so I just happened to be hanging out and then they heard me singing that night. Right, and so, and so then I didn't want to go home, so I want I wound up in a little bedroom on the other side of the house, <laughs> and it was just it was two beds, and then I was in there by myself, right? But I wake up about five o'clock, and I look up, and there was a, a little diva in the other bed, right? And I said, Lord have mercy, is, is, is that for me? You know what I mean? Uh, you know, I'm, I'm thinking with my carnal mind, right? Exactly. And so you know, she wakes up and we start talking. She said, I heard you singing last night. I hadn't even noticed her, right? Right. The night before, she said, I heard you singing. I said, you sound so great. She said, do you write songs? I was like, yeah, I write songs. And she said, but do you have your own publishing? And I was like, no, I've heard about publishing, but I'm thinking publishing is, you know, something that, you know, folks have on the avenues of America or on Broadway in, uh, in, you know, in New York City, right? right? And she said, oh, no, you can get your own publishing company, just go down to the courthouse and get a fictitious uh, business license. It probably cost you about $20, $25 or something back about what it cost back in those days. And she told me how to do it, and then she gave me her phone and said, I'm going back to Los Angeles tomorrow, but if you need my help, just give me a call. And so that's how I got my, started out having my publishing. And it was just so interesting. I always tell guys, you meet a woman, don't let it always go to that pretty face and that body. Go to that mind first, because you know, you might fool around and miss your blessings. So these women, they smart. I mean, it's true. Most small businesses that are started right now in the United States are mostly women, and especially black women. And she wound up being my manager for around about 25 years. That's and, great. Uh, she, you know, she shared shared that information with me, and uh, got my first or uh, well, my second uh, record deal. You know, through her, and uh, so it was just uh, a blessing. And so I always say, you know, when I talk to young people, especially young guys, you know, like you know, you know, women are beautiful, but dig a little deep, you know, and you, know, you might find the wealth of knowledge and intelligence and you know guidance there. So now, Liddy, you've been in the business since the seventies. We're into 2020, and you are still making great music. You got a new song, Southern Girl. I love it. Tell us about that song. Well, thank you so much. Uh, I met this young kid, Levi Caesar, and he was the uh, guitar player and the bass player for Prince. He was in the New Power Generation band. And so we started talking. He said he wanted to work with me, and I wanted to work with him. And so we sat down, and I was just 
South all the time, doing this uh, Southern soul, you know, kind of a mixture of R and B and blues, and yeah, you know, we listened to some different music. And he said, "Okay, okay, I think I got it. I think I got it." And I said, well, "Let's write something." Did you ever go down south with Prince? He said, "Yeah." I said, "Did you see them Southern girls?" He said, "Yeah." I said, "Okay, let's write about them Southern girls," and that's how that song came about. Well, I tell you what, it is a. I hear these young kids say it's a hit. I've been studying music since I was 14 years old. I've been programming music for 20 years. I know how to listen with my ears, with my mind. And uh, a great music teacher told me a while back, if the first 20 to 30 seconds of the song gets you, that's a hit. If the hook gets you, that's a hit. <laughs> if it's timeless, that's a hit. And your song, Southern Girls, has hit all the marks, so it has nowhere to go but up. Well, I appreciate that coming from you. I know that, uh, like you said, you're very astute, and uh, you've been doing it for a long time, and definitely uh, appreciate the, the, the feedback on that. And so, you know, we're just excited about that song. we got the new album out. It's called Fine, and uh, so we, uh, Levi and I did most of that. Uh, my friend Derek, Derek Allen and I did uh, a couple of songs on there. He just produced a new album on Kim. And so, tell Kim we got to wait a couple of days because he's got to <laughs> do songs and things. He did that. And uh, he's, you know, like my little brother. And so, did that. And so, we're really excited about the uh, about the, the CD and the music and, uh, and the Southern Girls. And so, like you were saying, if people could reach out to me, right, they can uh, reach me at LennyWilliams.com. And they can reach me also uh, on Twitter at Lenny Williams. And I'm also on Instagram, O-O-O Lenny. And, uh, you know, I check it out four, five, six times a day. And if you, if you get in touch with me and I get, get back to you, that's me. That ain't my cousin. Uh, my, um, you know, somebody that I, you know, pay $20 an hour to, that's me getting back to you. So, you know, uh, we can stay in touch and uh, get to know each other. Lenny, thank you so much. This has been indeed a pleasure. You being such an open book, uh, sharing your life story, you know, just means the world to me and, a, and the world to my listeners. And I know they've enjoyed every song that I've played from Lenny Williams, starting with Tower of Power, all the way down to Because I Love You, to your new hit, Southern Girl. Mr. Williams now has given you all the ways you can get in contact with him. Make sure you reach out to him if you want to know more about him or if you want to get him at an area near you. And listen, just jump in on his page and tell him how much you love his music and how much you appreciate it. Tell a story of, of what the song, Because I Love You, meant to you or even his new single, Southern Girl. So, Mr. Williams, once again, I say thank you. Great advice, and I really appreciate you for that, too. Kicking off another hour of the Divas Den. You know who he is. He's been hot since he came on the scene with Side Piece. Here's Pokey with his latest.
Party move, you ain't no player. Here's Karen Wolf with Don't Try Me Inside the Divas Den. Come on, Karen, tell them, girl.
whatever you want to do and think ain't nobody going to find out about it. You thought you had your little secret tucked away. But see, like I said, the streets was talking and I was listening. So you can go with her and do whatever you want to do. Don't try me. You done tried a whole lot of things. Don't try me. But don't try me. You can try walking now. Yeah. Uh-huh. 
shortly. It's the Love Report. Here's TK Soul and Nathaniel Kimball. Clap your hands. Yeah.
Sheba's Den only plays hits.
of loving inside the diva's den it's now time for the love report and i have a list of things for you gentlemen who thinks that women are difficult and you really don't know the formula to keeping women happy i have the formula so grab a pen and grab a piece of paper or if you have a good memory you can remember some of these things and maybe some of you are already practicing a few of them but you can add some to your list now first of all it's said that a man is supposed to provide and protect for that woman in his life well here are a few other things that you can add to the list you can be a friend a companion a lover a brother a father a master <laughs> a chef an electrician a carpenter a mechanic a decorator a stylist a sexologist a pest exterminator a healer a good listener okay did you get that an organizer a good father very clean sympathetic athletic warm attentive intelligent funny creative tender strong understanding ambitious capable courageous determined true dependable passionate and compassionate now if that's not enough you have to figure it out on your own that's the love report stick around i've got more great music inside the diva's den the diva plays hit after hit 
It's your girl, the Diva. Let's continue to enjoy the Diva's Zip.
charts. Here's Vic Allen with Double Crosser inside the Divas Den. Well, here we go again. Allen, please tell me I'm dreaming. I got a story to tell you. Baby, why? And it's a true story. Why, baby?
BMD artist Billy D, Lady Inside the Divas Den. That's going to wrap it up for the Divas Den, and I want to leave you with what I always leave you with. Music tells the story of what's come and gone. It takes you to places of love, laughter, and pain. It heals, it soothes, it caresses your soul. Here's Tucker.
It's your girl, the diva, from the Divas Den. They call me the new round-the-way girl. I don't ride around the neighborhood, but I promise I'll make you want to ride around the neighborhood with all this good music that's played inside the Divas Den. I ain't scared of nothing. I'm independent. I make my own money. And I bring the heat when it comes to Southern Soul Blues music. I play music from some of your favorite Southern Soul Blues artists. Old school, new school. I cover it all. So text a friend, tweet a friend, Facebook a friend, and I idea friend and tell them your girl the diva sets it off 5 p.m on hilltop radio